It's good to be here. I love, I love this group. I love what we've kind of built. Um, just being brothers in Christ. You know, God does a, uh, an interesting thing in I think a lot of ways. One of, uh, the, the things I really want to teach is that um, it, when you live into Scripture, it, it has a way of popping up in uh, in really interesting ways. So there, there's just a lot that goes on with language and how it, it overlaps. And so words that may appear in one language meaning one thing show up in another meaning completely random things. So, for example, um, today uh, we're talking about the way. And if you remember in Acts, one of the earliest names of the Christian church was the way. Right? Before we were Christians, we were the way. And uh, we'll talk about it from Isaiah today. Um, but do you have any idea what uh, the way is in Hebrew? The way. It's Derek. <laughs> It really is. So uh, putting a lot of pieces together today, uh, today actually happens to be our way, Derek's birthday. So uh, I think we're going to do a little celebration. Why, can, can we sing a little bit? All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Derek. Happy birthday to you. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so pass that along. <laughs> so. <laughs> done and done. So. I said, it couldn't be any better. Couldn't be any better. All right. Well, let's let's do some praying while we're doing some eating. Father God, we do thank you for Derek and all that he brings and all that he reminds. We thank you for his years and pray he will continue to bring what he does to many, many years of our lives. Lord God, we also thank you for your Derek, your way that makes today possible. It is so good, oh God, to be who you made us to be. Help us today to have our eyes and ears opened to be able to look at your word in a fresh way and see that the way that you made for people so long ago is the way that you'll make for us today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, today's test day for Kurt. We'll see if we can connect some dots. You guys have um, been doing some really good work, and hopefully today is the payoff. Just by way of quick review, do you remember what Mark said his purpose was in writing the gospel, his his uh, his work? 
I mean, the, the, the not the thing we get when we were kids, but when we, we really grab it, what, what was his word for word purpose in writing? Mark. Remember? To share the good news. To, exactly. Um, to, to share the gospel. But as I've been trying to sort of lay out for folks, it's, uh, it's not just the story of Jesus. It's certainly that. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's not, but it's not a biography. It's not Jesus was born here, he did da da da, and then he died. It's, it's more than that. It's not even the way, uh, that Jesus lived his life. It's not even, uh, just an evangelistic tool. He has a very specific way when he says, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is, as he would have said it, it is the Basora of Yeshua HaMashiach. This is the literal good news of Jesus the Messiah. This is what the Jews have been waiting for since the second exile. This is the culmination of world history. This is the answer to what it is to be human. This is a huge thing. It's, it's, yes, it's the life of Jesus. Yes, it's how we get saved. But this is the point of life. And so when you tell that story, you sometimes tell it in a little different way. Now Jesus has been doing some interesting things with the disciples, right? He's, he's always the teacher. He takes them out on a boat ride. And how, how did that go? Yeah. And then he turns around and does it again, right? Last week, he had this argument with the Pharisees where he really sort of laid out how you live your life, the way that you see Scripture in life, is is the true meaning. And then Jesus followed that up with a trip to Tyre. And you remember anything about the city of Tyre? Yeah. It's Satan's hometown. Sort of like Duke. You know, their mascot was the Blue Devil. Um, the, the reason I say that it's his hometown is in Isaiah uh, that talks about the Lord of Tyre being the angel that fell. So if you wonder what Satan was doing in the Old Testament, he was running around pretending to be a god named Baal. That sort of lays out, again, this teaching path where Jesus took the disciples into a place that they never, ever thought they would go. And Jesus meets a woman there, and what does he call her? A dog, which is not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Caleb as we would say it, the name from the guy in the Old Testament is the word for dog, and it's what they call Gentiles, foreigners. Uh, they're just dogs. And so Jesus wasn't just being mean to this woman because she was bothering him. Uh, he was, again, doing this teaching lesson um, that there was determination, there was faith in this foreign dog, just like there had been faith and determination in the guy in the Old Testament. 
So Jesus is always, always teaching them what what they're going to be asked to do, what their discipleship, where where they're going to go, how they're going to live life. I mean, they're going to have to end up in Rome where they really do face a pack of dogs, you know, a bunch of Romans. So he's he's constantly getting them ready. Uh, so today, it's going to get weird again. Uh, Jesus seems to be on a kick now and going to bad neighborhoods. So we'll pick up in Mark 7. So Mark 7, 31. Jesus left Tyre, uh, the city of Satan, and went to Sidon, which is the other one. So again, why, why are you going there? But they doesn't tell us. And then back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the ten towns. And so your Bible may say Decapolis, uh, these are these are the ten towns. That's where he met Legion. That's where he met Legion, exactly. So I think we have a map. Remember when he took him across the Sea of Galilee at night, and they had to sort of face the evil and all the nasty. Um, so now, again, remember this side of the Sea of Galilee is is no man's land. This is where the Gentiles live. This is non-Jewish area. So this whole region is really forbidden. Um, starting up here, but moving down in this area is uh, ten towns that are completely off the map in terms of no longer being Jewish. Uh, these ten towns are, for the most part, Greek towns. Uh, the people living there are not Jewish, or if they are Jewish, they've given up a Jewish life in order to live like a Greek or a Roman. Again, Jews get beat up in towns like these. Um, there's a lot of uh, hostility uh, between the two groups. Yeah, this sort of gives you a, a break uh, down of it. Uh, so this is the Jordan River. Um, this is still the border today. So this over here is Judah. Um, you see the Sea of Galilee up there. And again, to the west is where Jesus uh, has been hanging out. You see Tyre way up along the coast. So, yeah, so he was up there. Actually, yeah, further north. And then he's come down and he's passed into this area right here. Um, just by way of, of weirdness, uh, that place right there, Nysa, is actually the old um, Beit Shan. And it was the old Egyptian colonial capital of uh, of Israel. So there, there's a long history of these places. But what is Jesus doing here? It's like, why why do you go to the dogs? You were up Tyre and Sidon. Why are you there? Jesus, why have you come here now? Can we just go to Galilee? Can we just go to Jerusalem? I don't want to hang out with all these people. Again, what do Greeks like to do as a hobby? Well, what's their second hobby? We know what their first hobby is. Um, yeah, yeah. 
killing killing Jews, um, but they're obsessed with these oracles. They're obsessed with uh, being possessed. It, it's crazy. So what what is he doing here? So we, we can pick up the story. I mean, he he should not be here. Um, and without missing a beat, a deaf man with a speech impediment. Now that's not a great translation. What what does yours yours say? I can hardly talk. Yeah, mute. That that's that's the old translation. And I mean, you're in a bad way. Right, if you can't hear and uh, you can't see, well, I mean, um, if you can't hear and you can't speak, um, that's it, it's it's a bad way. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. So, who's bringing this guy to Jesus? Is this a bunch of Jews? It's a bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of Greeks living in uh, Israel. Uh, they have their own doctors. Uh, their doctors are seen as much, much better than the Jewish doctors. <laughs> the Jews were not known to have doctors at this point in history. That comes later. But uh, so did Jesus' healing of that uh, possessed man have some impact, do you think? Word is spreading. Word is spreading. They may not agree with him, but they know that he can do things. So healing one man on the coast has has had a, a big influence. They still relate these kind of things to see on even the Gentiles. Yes, although it's it's in a sense more complicated um, than the, just a Jew would make it. Um, a God could be doing it to you just because, or it could be a genie, it could be a you know a satyr, it, it it could be could be lots of things. All right. So without, I mean, if you know the story, you know the story. What's Jesus going to do? All right. So the big question is, Jesus has picked the location. He's brought the disciples to see this. He knows, in a sense, what the people are going to do. They're, his reputation is getting out there. He's a healer. Uh, he, he's, he's set the location. He's set the stage. And then people have come up on the stage. I want you to sit in the role of the disciple and ask what Jesus is expecting them to ask. Why are we doing this? Are there no blind people with our people? There's no blind Jews that we could go heal? No, I should say blind, Kurt. It's deaf. There's no deaf Jews? Um, why is he picking this one guy out? Does Jesus heal everybody he sees? No, not by a long shot. Uh, Jesus will do this very strategically and for a teaching purpose. He does care about people, of course, um, but his aim is to save the whole world, not to run a hospital. So you're sitting there with the disciples. You're trying to understand, all right, what does he want me to see about this? In order to answer this question, let me take us back to Isaiah 35. This is chapter 35, this thing Kirk keeps talking about. This is the Basora. 
This is the gospel. Before we named it the good news, this is what it was. And so we're going to read it in its pure, unadulterated form. And as you read this, ask yourself, how does this come true? How does this really happen? Christians love to say the promises of God come true. It's, it's, it's true. They do. Um, but how does that really work? Today, this is where I think the payoff comes. You're going to see it. So this is the prophecy of how this Besora will happen. This is what Mark's trying to prove to us. So we're going to get the prophecy, and then we're going to get the fulfillment. All right? Isaiah 35, verse 1. Even the wilderness will rejoice in those days. The desert will blossom with flowers. Yes, there will be abundance of flowers singing in joy. The deserts will become green as the mountains of Lebanon. Uh, Up in Lebanon, they grow cedar trees, and it's uh, like the best wood they have in the entire region. I mean, cedar wood. Everybody wants cedar wood. Nowhere else really has much of a tree except for little squiggly olive wood trees. Uh, So that's the best they can think of. As lovely as Mount Carmel's pastures and the plain of Sharon which is the Jezreel Valley that we talked about. That's where Jesus grew up. Then the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. All right, sounds like a bunch of poetry, doesn't it? What the heck did we just read? Um, What is this? So water's coming to the desert. It's going to be green. It is. What is... Sort of the base of the uh, Basora. Do you remember? It's a river of life. Remember that big balloon river we built in here uh, for last year's Easter? That's what they're talking about. That this living water will come out of the temple, out of God's presence, and it will flow into the dead places. And it will bring life where there was no life before. So the desert will bloom. Now, you guys don't know how spoiled you are around here. If uh, Well, I don't know. Could you farm on your land, Tom? It'd be tough. E- even if you had all the water you could use, it'd still be tough. Yeah. <laughs> El Paso is the same way. You can farm right along the river um, because the the soil along the river and the and the uh, water table you you can do it you could go up to the sand hills where there's rock and sand and you could put all the water god made <laughs> and you're not going to grow anything but mesquite as uh, as hard as you try um, but this is not that this is living water coming to places where there was no life. Remember, where does this river, this way, this derrick actually go? The Dead Sea. And it brings fish back to life. It grows trees again. In a sense, grows the Garden of Eden again. So this is what Isaiah is talking about. In a sense, spiritually, this water is going to flow. It's going to bring life. So we continue on.
I lost my Bible, and it's it's like driving somebody else's car. Okay. With this news, and there's your good news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those who are afraid, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. So that's that's pretty great to underline. So the Basora is bringing this new life. It's bringing it to dead places. We as Jews, before all this happens, should take heart. God is taking care of us because he's going to what? Kill the Romans. He's going to kill the Romans. He's going to kill them. So again, you see where they get this idea that when the Messiah comes, when the way comes, all right, we're, we're, we're going to get a little payback. And where is Jesus with his crew? He's in the middle of Enemyville. He's, he's with these guys. So he is coming to save you. Hmm. Who do you suppose the he is? Yep. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf. Now, think hard with me. In this context, who are they talking about? Yeah. So when Jesus is dealing with a deaf guy who can't speak in the New Testament, is he an enemy? He kind of is, but he's not really Jesus' enemy, right? And so Jesus, in a sense, is teaching, all right, who's really deaf? What is the foundational prayer? How did God begin with the Jews? Um, what's the most foundational prayer for the Jews? Hear, O Israel, the Shema, the very beginning. The first thing God said to the Jews is, listen. And the first thing the Jews did was not listen. Now, as much as we pick on them, are we any different? And so they get a little sensitive, as they should, when God says, there's a guy that does not listen, and he does not speak. Why were they supposed to listen? Because they knew the path. Their, their job was to make the way straight, to tell people about the Basora. This is the way they're going to crush their enemies. It's, uh, this, I mean, this prophecy is being laid out painfully for us here. And he will come, he will open the eyes of the blind and unstop the death. The lame will leap like a deer. That'd be fun to see. And those who cannot speak will shout and sing. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the desert. The parched ground will become a pool, and the springs will satisfy, satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh, grass, and reeds, and rush will flourish where desert jackals once lived. So there's there's more, and it's uh, it's probably good to read, but uh, let's jump back to Mark. 
So here it is happening. What does it really look like when God comes? What does it really look like when Jesus is there? Their enemy is being defeated. But their enemy is being saved. This is what they were meant to say. This is what we're meant to say. So these Gentiles have brought this man to Jesus. Jesus led him to a private place away from the crowd. Now that's unusual. Why does Jesus do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has seen among his own people what this does. Again, his his aim is not to be a sideshow. But who does he want there? The disciples. So please understand how he's doing this, why he's doing this. Steve did a really good job, I guess, two Sundays ago in bringing forward that video from The Chosen uh, when they were talking about firewood. Remember that? And uh, just in their brain, you know, popped this old prophecy about how weapons would be burned and that would be the fire. I mean, think how their brains make these connections. They are doing the same thing here. What does it look like when Jesus, the living water, goes to the desert of people? What does it look like when he goes to our enemy? Yeah. The deaf will hear. Not just the physically deaf guy, but the disciples. So Jesus wants it um, private. And then look at this. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. <laughs> Does Jesus normally heal this way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle this, why he does it. But he... <laughs> But the, the most common way that he does is is no big deal. Like to the dead girl, he said, get up. Most of the time, it's no hocus pocus. It's no magic. It's just do it. Uh, here, he's taking a little bit of an extra step. Um, so why, for a deaf man, would he touch his ears? Yeah. It's not like Jesus can say to him, hey, just here. I mean, he could, but that'll come in in a second. So Jesus is doing this this physical kind of thing. And then, for our culture, it gets really, really weird. Then, spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue with a spittle. And all of our big COVID sissies said, ew, you can't do that. Ew. <laughs> um... All right, this is just random, absolutely craziness. Um, you know, Jesus is swapping spit with a deaf guy. This is weird. Um, so why does Jesus do this? All right. Again, if I was making this stuff up, I would never put this kind of story in it. Um, you, you just wouldn't. Uh, even for Jews, this is really, really strange. And I think it's part of 
uh, how and why Jesus is doing this. All right. I said that the Greeks are known uh, for their doctors. Uh, it's where we get our Hippocratic Oath and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the Gentile world uh, sort of saw itself as masters of medicine. And this sounds really, really strange to us, uh, but but here it is. Um, Greek medicine is very much based on older models of medicine, uh, and it's it's not like doctors we go to today. Um, can it's it's going to be an older uh, picture, but it's a giant prism. So I brought one to show you today. So this is one of the ways in the ancient world, specifically Egypt. Yeah. So what I'm showing you here is this part right here. And it was actually removable. All right. So this is not a religious thing. Well, it is sort of a religious thing, but it's it's what the doctor would go to. So this is the power in a sense of the word. This is telling you the story of how Horus as a child was healed from a scorpion bite and a snake bite. So when you pass it along, you can sort of see the story laid out there for you. So the theme was that the power, the magic of this was in this story, which is repeated as phrases, as sort of incantations. And what you would do is take holy water, living water. Do you see a theme developing here? We're talking about the water that brings life to the desert. And then we get into this Greek crap or Egyptian crap where you pour water over this. It flows down. It picks up the power of the writing and it collects in this basin. So if you got stung by a bad scorpion, you would go to a doctor if you could afford it, and they would go through uh, reciting these spells, pour the water over, you would drink from this bottom, and the story would be repeated. Now, very inherent in this is that the power is in this. So any medium that touches this like water picks up this power. So this is power, and you put it in an object that gives it power. It's the basics of sympathetic magic, really. So when Jesus does this, he is, in a sense, doing something that would make sense to a Greek, but he's also saying to his own people, I am this word. Life comes from this water. It's not from a magic spell. It's from me. In so many ways, Jesus says that he is God without just saying blurb, I am God. He does say that on occasion, but most of the time it's, it's more involved. This spitting stuff is him saying in this Greek context, I am God. Because think about it. What brings life in this desert? Water that is from God. That's what's doing it. He is the one. He is the Messiah. So any part of him is God. What, what, did, the, what did the lady grab to be healed? Yeah, the side of his robe. 
They were saying the same thing there. He's not just a miracle worker that takes the power of God and performs it. He, in a sense, is this. He's the source so that from the source comes the healing. When he spit and touched it, and like you say, he'll do this again. He'll spit in a guy's eye, which is another one of these. I'll, I'll bring that when we get to it. There, there was another story where uh, Thoth, the, the um, god of wisdom, spit in the eye of Horus. So Jesus seems to be copying that. I'm not saying Jesus is endorsing this mythology, but Jesus is doing the stuff that would make sense to the people in the Decapolis the ten cities. So he's saying, I am this water. I am this life. Now, do you think that crap worked? If you got stung by a scorpion and you drank the water? (laughs) Absolutely not. You know, maybe a placebo. Like, hey, I'm still hurting. But on the other hand, do you think Jesus really healed this guy? Absolutely. How do you tell the prophecy laid out for us? How do you tell that the Messiah has really come? Because there's life in the desert. Where there was pain and suffering and evil, now I have changed it. And the disciples have this front row seat to see all of this. This is how we deal with our enemies. This is the Basora happening. This is Jesus saying, I am not just a miracle worker. I am God. And I don't have to show it off. All right, I've lectured way too much, and I'm sorry, I'll stop. But this hopefully is the connection. I mean, does this make kind of sense? Hmm? (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right, let me stop. Questions? Yes. Is there any indication that the disciples begin capture what he's trying to teach. Yes. I I think so and we'll we'll unpack it as as we go forward. The sense that he did not want them to be the deaf. Um that their job is to speak it. Um Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, there there's lots of names for it. I mean, in in Egyptian it's called a heka um Stella, a healing Stella or a magic Stella. Um, this one is in the British Museum. This is the best surviving one that we have. And can you imagine carving all that? I mean, holy moly. Um, it's basalt. Yeah, black basalt. Exactly. Um, you know, they actually do. Um, you a lot of times catch them making mistakes. Not so much on the magic stuff, but you'll see they make mistakes, and not everybody was literate, so they wouldn't catch it. So, but it's exactly right. Some days I go to the doctor in Midland, and I think not much has changed. Right, <laughs> we're still doing the same magic. Um, Exactly, yeah. Um, the, the Greeks culturally, you know, this is um, a, a little arrogance on my part, but 
the Greeks tended to value that which was ancient, and the Egyptians were the most ancient things that they know. And remember, the Greeks and the Ptolemies, they rule Egypt, so they'll pick up a lot of, a lot of medicine. But yeah, this is the same basic, uh, the best doctors, you know, they come from India today, I'm kidding, but in the ancient times, they came from Egypt, and then the Greeks picked up on that, so. Yeah. And remember, Beit Shan, one of the cities, used to be an old Egyptian colonial capital. So, Jesus did not just teach a cute little story, right? I mean, we really dig into it. Uh, there is, there's layers and layers and layers. So, are you deaf? <laughs> what does Jesus have to uh, do to you to get your attention this morning? Um, where is the desert growing in life? Really? I mean, it, it, it seems to be happening. Uh, last Wednesday, I mean, I, I, I sound like a broken record, but that uh, uh, um, Ash Wednesday service, that was incredible. If you if you saw it, um, the the there. I mean, for those of you who don't know, we had all four churches uh, get together: uh, First Baptist, uh, First Pres, Gulf Road, and us. And the, in my, I guess, almost ten years here, I don't ever remember us getting together and not having a fist fight. Um, that's uh, that's something. So just. Watch where the water is in your life. And don't be afraid to share this, this story. We don't have to make stuff up for Jesus. We don't have to be publicity for him. We just have to make the way straight. We just have to tell people why the, the desert is blooming. Why the deaf can hear. Why the blind can see. It's, it's powerful stuff. But, um, We'll stop. Any other questions? The more I keep thinking about that's deadly serious. That's very happy to steal your word. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm caught. And I'm not thinking a joke. Exactly. Um, I, I would... I mean, wouldn't you, if Jesus could come teach this study one morning? I mean, just honestly, just sit down and and take us through Scripture. I think this is kind of what we would get on steroids. I mean, it wouldn't be, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Let me tell you a story about a, a sheep on a hill. What? I mean, it, he, he would take you places. But also, honestly, I would be terrified. Because of the kind of thing he does here. Not terrified in that he's evil or I need to be afraid of him, but terrified in what he's really laying out for us, what we're called to do, what we can do, what we should do. It's, it's huge. And to your point, I think the disciples begin to get it. Um, again, he brought them all the way here to show them a deaf person to see the prophecy being fulfilled. So. Lost. 
right. Yeah, the uh, United Methodist women always used to have a, a submit a sermon like that you would they would you know take the best women's studies. Um, so I submitted that one time, and uh, I never heard back from them. Oh. Um. <laughs> anyway, let's pray. Lord, thank you that we might even be called your follower is an honor beyond our words that when we might be disciples is the greatest thing ever in our life help us to know that it is different now because we have heard we are not sheep wandering without a shepherd we are disciples with a teacher you have touched our ears today You've touched our tongue. You've given us the truth that is you. You are God. There is a plan. And we have a role to play in it. Help us, O Lord, not to put our Bible in our car and forget all of this. Help us to look at the desert in our own life. To see the places where we're holding you back where you desperately want to water the dead places in us. Help us also to look at our brothers, our sisters, co-workers, family, city. There's a lot of desert here, Lord, but we know there's even more you. So help us to hear and then to speak, because in this we will be your son. Help us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.